Welcome back to CFO Weekly, where we're talking with financial leaders about how to build efficiency in their teams, create time for strategy, and ultimately get results with your host, Megan Weiss. Let's jump right in. Today, my guest is Ben Taylor. Ben is the CEO and co-founder of SoftLedger, a cloud accounting software provider that empowers growing companies to operate more efficiently and make smarter decisions. A CPA with more than 10 years of varied public and private accounting experience, Ben has led many complex financial projects to successful outcomes. Ben began his career at Ernst & Young, followed by in-house management roles at Fannie Mae and other public companies, and holds a BS in accounting from the University of Maryland. Ben, thank you very much for joining me on today's episode of CFO Weekly. Hi, Megan. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, today we're going to be discussing a product you co-founded, SoftLedger why you created it, what is it used for, and what differentiates it in the marketplace. I'm looking forward to learning about uh, learning more about both you and SoftLedger. So let's get started. Sounds good. First, let's start with you. Tell me about your career progression and, and how it is that you got to where you are today. Sure. I, I started my career in public accounting at Ernst & Young in the Washington, D.C. area. Then I worked in financial reporting for Fannie Mae, for a, for a few years, then when I when I started SoftLedger, I was managing uh, at the time a few different areas in the accounting department for a public company, and it took too long to close the books every month, um, which is what led me to start in SoftLedger. Yeah, wow. Um, did did you have any kind of background in writing software? Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> so I uh, pretty much it was we were using a. Um, uh, an old mid-market accounting system at the, at the time, Microsoft Dynamics GP, um, uh, which was one of the first general purpose accounting systems. Um, and it, it uh, just, it took too long to get financial data from operations into the hands of management. That's kind of what I realized. And that, so I, I knew that part, but I didn't know how to actually build software. Uh, and so I called up my longtime friend, Jeff Ostrega, who uh, we've known each other since freshman year of, of college and, I, I, you know, talked to him about building a general ledger and ultimately convinced him to to take a crack at it. And so, yeah, that's that's how we got got started. Wow, it's a great story. So, as you look back uh, throughout your career, are there any like career moves or, or stories that stand out in your mind as being turning points? Absolutely. One that comes to mind is the the move to a senior accountant role at a small public company. That it was actually the company I just reference that I was, I was working at when I started SoftLedger. Prior to that, I had worked at very large companies where I felt a bit siloed to my particular area. And then when I made the move to, to that company, the smaller company, it was called Mattersite, I had a I had to take a significant pay cut and the advancement opportunities were a lot less clear. But ultimately, it ended up being a pretty pivotal, pivotal point in my career. I got the opportunity to take on some responsibilities that I was never exposed to before, and even weigh on uh, weigh in on things like customer contract negotiations. It it really felt like I was providing more strategic advice to management than um, than than I was before. Yeah, as someone who's worked for both small and large companies, I prefer small companies as well. I mean, there's some people out there that like being specialists, but I, I like wearing a lot of hats. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, uh, and then <laughs> I guess. Uh, I ended up going to the very smallest company by by starting my own. <laughs> That's many, many hats with this one. Yeah, I bet. So in your view, how has the role of the CFO evolved over the last decade and where is it heading? So I, I, was, I guess that um, the answer to the last question kind of parlays into this. Uh, 
it continues to move toward a serving as a, a strategic advisor. I think organizations are generally more attuned to getting um, uh, to the importance of sound financial advice. And this is because companies with strong financial leadership, just they do better. Uh, they outperform their competitors. Um, and I think that that having a strong finance and accounting function uh, is is really a competitive advantage and, and, and mature companies are realizing that. Yeah, I guess that hasn't always been the case. I guess accounting used to be more backwards looking, but more than ever, it's a definitely forward looking role. Exactly. Yeah. And I think connecting, um, obviously, we see this from a technology perspective a lot, but connecting the the backward looking and the forward looking is really the holy grail. And it's yeah. tricky to set that up right. But I think um, uh, organizations understand the importance of that enough that that um, that they, they invest in it. So as the co-founder of SoftLedger, tell me about this product. Sure. So um, uh, at Mattersight, uh, the company I was working at when I started SoftLedger, it, it took too long to get financial data. And so that's what this really comes down to is getting that process to be as quick as possible. Um, so, you know, at the time we had spent so much time manually configuring uh, spreadsheets to get into our old general ledger just so that we could then export the journal entries on, on the reporting side and update a spreadsheet. And that's what drove the reports. Uh, and so we thought, you know, how, how quick could this process be? With all the advancements in cloud technology over the, over the last, uh, or software technology generally over the past couple of decades, um, there must be a way to speed this up. So how quick could it be? Maybe a lot of this could be available in real time. And that's what really led us down this road of developing a mid-market accounting solution and starting to um, try to automate every component of the of the process of getting from operations to um, uh, the financial data that management needs to run the business. So you mentioned it being for mid-market. Um, what is the ideal customer for this product? Um, so there are a few different ones, uh, but the probably the single biggest uh, ideal customer is is. Is, is a customer that has, uh, or any organization that has multiple entities and needs to consolidate them easily in a single system. Um, and that, uh, that could be your, uh, a company that's using multiple QuickBooks or zero instances. They have 20 or 30 different entities or 80 different entities even. And the, maybe a lot of these are not overly complicated. There are a few operating entities that are, that are more complicated, but there's a lot that are not. And it, and they don't have a huge accounting department and they just want the, the complexity is really consolidating everything easily. And right now they're exporting um, all of that into Excel and, and updating a spreadsheet. And if something changes one of the entities, then they got to go back, update the spreadsheet again and do, do, do the whole process. If that's the pain, then that's a really good one for us is a, um, a CFO or, or controller at a, at a company that, that has multiple entities and, and has a process like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess as I look at all the technology available, I'm surprised by how many companies still have quite a few manual processes within their finance and accounting function. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's a lot of it's, it's tough to get it in with uh, the constant close process and everything else. Um, so yeah, it's taking it's taking some time still, um, and I think there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of room for improvement for for many organizations in that in that area. Yeah. So how is it possible for SoftLedger to stay agnostic to various regulatory environments? And why is that important in a product? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a great point. It's kind of critical to 
um, to how we've built it is, <clears throat> you might have heard that math is kind of is the same everywhere. Um, core, the core principles of accounting are the same everywhere uh, as well, and similarly, the core function uh, required functionality in a general purpose accounting platform. That's what we're describing here. That's what we are. That's what you know. NetSuite is Intact, Microsoft Dynamics. They're all general purpose accounting platforms. That core functionality is the same everywhere as well. It has to be. It's, it's um, uh, you know, and so so we did the same thing and deliberately built our platform to be general purpose, carefully assessing every new product feature and, and change to ensure that it's built to handle uncertainty. And that's how we can remain agnostic is, um, you know, by configuring the chart of accounts, configuring other dimensions like cost centers uh, and your mappings to various reports, you can report in gap uh, us gap local gap versions ifrs whatever you need and let's talk a little bit about the the setup of this product how out of the box is it and how easy is it to get started sure it's it's really easy to get started that 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 is something that we we strive to do from day one is is really build a a product focused application where everything is is made to be easy to learn uh, quick to get up and running self configurable um, and so we uh, we've often found that our customers can get up uh, get up and running in weeks um, instead of instead of months. Um, obviously, there's a lot that goes into actually you know getting your data in the right format and getting it all all set up to be important to the system. But once that's once that's done, um, the process of actually getting in, getting your team up and running, and getting them to learn it, and and getting to um, to be using us and fully transition, that's, that's, it's, it can be often really quick. Wow. Um, let's talk a, for a minute about API-driven accounting. First of all, I, I've never really heard the term, but what is API? Sure. So it, it stands for Application Programming Interface. That's what a, API is. And essentially what that means is it's a mechanism for using an application without the user interface. Integrations between cloud applications generally use an API. Uh, and if you built an, a cloud application 20 years ago, or even 10 years ago, you probably built the application first, and then you built the API. Um, so the API was more of an add-on thing than it was something that was contemplated from the onset. Whereas today, if you build a, a cloud-based app application, APIs are likely on your mind as you're developing the system architecture. This results in an application that's fundamentally easier to integrate with other cloud applications because you're kind of you're using the UI or the, sorry the, the user interface um, uh, to program the API, and then when another application needs to do that, they're kind of doing the same thing. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that um, no, it's kind of tough to figure out how that how that fits in. I know it's it's thrown around it's a little little bit of a buzzword sometimes. Um, so does that basically mean that it's easier to kind of plug things into a, a system? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and if you have engineers working for your company in, involved in that, you know, developing your tech stack, this is, you know, we've, we've built it in the way that they're, um, it's like a more of a standard way of, of integrating. So it's easier for them to use as well. And so as we look into the future, um, Cryptocurrency obviously becoming very big these days. How do you think that that is going to impact accounting? Yeah, so um, great question. We we really uh, 
we we're, we're really excited about blockchains and blockchain-based assets like cryptocurrencies, other related technologies that have come up as, as part of this as well. Um, and we we think once they're used widely, they'll help to automate certain aspects of accounting. Um, that said, you'll always need a general ledger to bring everything together. And so I, I don't think that, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, excitement around maybe automating the whole stack. And I don't think it's going to quite be that. Um, so the, the general ledger is, it, it, it does kind of doesn't make sense to live in a blockchain is, is how we view it. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's a lot of exciting things that, you know, individual processes, certain industries that could, could really leverage blockchain um, based ledgers to, to help out uh, a lot. Um, and so, yeah, I think was the, the second part of that was it, it, like, what um, I guess, what, what mainstream adoption looks like and when it happens is still tough to say. I, I think more regulatory clarity will certainly help, particularly around stable coins. These are <clears throat> like representations of U.S. dollars or euros that um, that that are out there and are getting a little bit more attention right now. Um, and, and it's if it, it's a bit of a chicken and the, and the egg problem. So uh, it'll you know. They're used a little bit more than regulators come in and I'll put some regulation around them. And then maybe that there's a little bit of a pullback and then maybe it's a few years and they're used a little bit more and then there's more regulatory attention. So it kind of, it, it'll take a while before it's, you know, they're really widely used, you know, uh, but I think you know, once that's, once it's clear how, how these assets are being used, uh, when, when there's a lot of business being, uh, a lot of economic activity being, uh, based on them, then, you know, kind of that, that, that comes together a little bit clearer to see, okay, this is what the future um, uh, state of them looks like. Yeah. I mean, it's super exciting concept. And um, I was driving through a very small country town not too long ago. And um, I passed by like a, an auto mechanic who was advertising that they were accepting Bitcoin for payments. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, so I, maybe it's not as far away as we, we think it might be. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly, I mean, uh, it, you know, a few, a few years ago, it was, it, um, uh, I think a lot of people learned about it and then it kind of, you know, the, it, 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 there was a little bit of a lull and for mainstream kind of uh, uh, it being out there. And I think recently it's upticked again and, there's a lot of tools like that that make it uh, that make it sure there's the, the, the easy for any business to, to accept it. And so, um, yeah, we're, we're excited to be uh, serving companies in that area and, uh, and being kind of at the forefront of this new, uh, yeah, this new trend. How are you changing the product to incorporate cryptocurrency? We built out specific functionality for cryptocurrencies. Uh, so, in, and this was, it's a little over three years ago that we released that. Um, <clears throat> and in 2017, uh, late 2017, uh, uh, we were re- receiving some inbound interest uh, from, from companies about, about our functionality around crypto. And uh, it was something that Jeff and I were, were interested in uh, separately. And, and, you know, as we went further, uh, further into it, we realized this is, it's, it's kind of like a lot of these companies are doing uh, many IPOs, at least at, you know, from a uh, from a, a regulatory compliance perspective, that's you know we we thought okay, that's probably what it looks like to the SEC and, and other regulatory bodies. Um, and so we thought this is going to be something that they really they really need to be tools for for these companies to 
um, to track these really complicated assets and complicated transactions that they're doing with a very small team, you know, maybe not even any full-time accountants on the team. And so that's what we, we that's when we decided to build out all this functionality uh, uh, for for these assets. Um, and yeah, we've just been developing that ever since. And um, and as you're using them more, you know, as part of your business, you're paying vendors with them, you're accepting them as payment, holding them, holding them on behalf of others. It start it just gets really complicated. And so that's we've just kind of prioritized uh, what we think is the are the right features to to still stay general purpose and still stay as our, our mission of getting all the all the companies all, all of your financial data um, quickly into the into the hands of, of uh, management. Um, but uh, but being able to serve these these complex uh, crypto uh, asset use cases. Yeah, it sounds like you guys are definitely ahead of the curve there. So real-time financials might seem like a pipe dream to many companies who, like as we discussed, still struggle with month-end close. So what is your advice for companies on getting to a point where real-time financials are a reality? For sure. It's, it's a big goal to set. It will definitely take some time to get there. And maybe it's not practical that 100% of your financials will ever be real-time. It just depends. Every business is unique. There's always some edge cases. Sometimes the reality is, you know, it, there are certain things that just won't be real time. But it's it's all about running down the list of all the processes that create financial data and removing friction where you can. Maybe only a few things can be real time for now, and some things need to be batched. But you can start working on those. You know, it doesn't doesn't need to all happen at once. But the important part is is having that idea of, okay, let's get everything as fast as possible and let's just go down the list and see what we can do. Because I think through that, there are some things that could be a lot, lot, a lot quicker. And it's not, some of them could be available in real time, uh, but just cutting out, the, cutting out the friction, directly connecting things when possible. Yeah, I mean, I, I've looked at finance and accounting as a profession um, and the, the term I've heard for the last few years is perpetual close. Um, mm-hmm as opposed to month-end close. So do you think it's feasible that most companies or even you know, many companies can get to a point where month-end close is no longer a thing and, and they're closing basically on a daily basis? Um, I, I, think, I think there will always be some monthly close because there are going to be monthly financial uh, reporting requirements and other just financial certain financial reports that need to be locked down and say, you know, this is the state of them at this time. Here's all the support. Here's your, how, the, how the system existed at that point in time. Um, so I think there's always going to be something like that. But um, that doesn't mean that during the month, you can't start to get um, uh, things a lot quicker. And so maybe those, those real-time, the, the, the data that's, avail- that's able to be available in real-time, maybe this is, is your your um, customer-facing invoicing and, and uh, revenue for uh, revenue that there's no timing difference for, and you can just book it with the transaction. Maybe maybe you could see that right away, and maybe there's expenses that could appear right away, and you can get a little cut at, at what your margins are earlier in the month. But then there's some things like accruals and estimates that aren't going to be available uh, mid-month. I think that that's some hybrid of that is probably um, where, where this is headed. Yeah, I guess using technology to maybe get to a point where the month end isn't quite the fire drill it is for many companies these days. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> there's there's enough room for improvement that even a uh, 
uh, just a faster process that's not you know necessarily even uh, uh, mostly perpetual would be would be uh, in many cases a, a, a welcome change, I would think. And lastly, as a business leader, what is keeping you up at night right now? Um, you know, just uh, you know, we we uh, raised uh, some money uh, earlier this year to expand our team, and we've been doing that over the past several months, um, and you know, grow 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 quicker, and all all the all the things that um, we haven't hadn't been able to do prior um, prior to raising that capital. And so, I guess just you know, aligning everything together. Um, you know, the, the big thing is is developing a predictable and scalable process for generating revenue. Um, and, 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 you know, doing that quicker. Uh, and that's always, that's always tricky. So that's, that's probably the biggest thing, but there's, there's always a lot of little things, but, uh, um, yeah, uh, yeah. things, yeah. Crazy times we live in for sure these days. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, this is, this is great. Yeah. I really enjoyed speaking with you and learning about soft ledger. It sounds like you're both doing great things and I, I wish you continued success in the future. Thanks. Yep. Same. To all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in and please tune in next week. And until then, take care. If you're ready to boost efficiency and streamline your accounting processes at significant cost savings, it's time to talk with Personiv. Their people-powered solutions have transformed the delivery of back office tasks and general accounting functions for decades, partnering with clients to provide everything from accounts payable to payroll services. See what Personiv can do for you by visiting personiv.com. You've been listening to CFO Weekly presented by Persona. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to hear all of our episodes. Want to learn more? Check out personive.com. Thanks for listening.